0: Hello and welcome to another week of The Extras. Lachlan here, still here, which is good. Thanks for all your prayers as we wait for Candy to give birth. Still waiting. <laughs> I'm joined here by Raj today.
1: Hello everyone. Thanks for joining us.
0: Uh, this week we're continuing on our journey in the book of Hebrews, which has been a wonderful journey so far. So much to learn and fix our eyes on Jesus in all his riches and beauty and glory. Uh, This past Sunday, Raj, we're looking at the end of Hebrews 5, the start of Hebrews 6. Uh, What's the short summary of what we were hit by in that that section?
1: Yeah, thanks, Lachlan. Look, a really challenging part of God's Word. Um, Some of us have heard the term warning passages. Hebrews 6 verses 4 to 6 is perhaps the epitome and strongest of the warning passages. Um, That's what we came to. And as we're going to see in the questions that have come up, lots of great thoughts, lots of great wrestling How do we put it all together? I think um, where I landed, um, I didn't actually hear Peter's sermon this week, but where I landed landed in the same place, because this is where the text goes, chapter 6, verse 11, we want each of you to show this same diligence to to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realised. We do not want you to become lazy, that word lazy also starts the passage, Mm. but to imitate those who, through faith and patience, inherit what has been promised. Mm. And so here is just an example where we see, you know, through Hebrews, we see promises, we see great things, we saw that last week, but we also see that mixed in with with strong warnings so that we don't regress, so that we don't stagnate, so that we don't um, um, even do that in a way that looks like we've fallen away. Mm.
0: Yeah, helpful. It brings to mind for me again just that image of the coach that I always have in my head as I read Hebrews, kind of urging the team on, going, don't give up, uh, I know it's getting hard. You've still got enough energy in the tank. Look to Jesus. You know, the kind of spurring on, encouraging of the coach. But that works for me because I'm very competitive and love winning things. <laughs> so other people have different illustrations that help them there. Uh, look, Raj, a few people did have questions about the warning theme of Hebrews and this passage in particular. Uh, for those who have been around Christian thinking for a little while, we hear about you know a doctrine of say eternal security or the perseverance of the saints. Maybe adoption of the Spirit—that uh, once we receive the Spirit, He's not going to leave. How does this warning in Hebrews fit with some of that other Christian thinking?
1: Yeah, thank you. Look, there's so many questions along this line, and I just—I just—it warms my heart that people are wrestling in this mm-hmm. way. Um, Hebrews six, I think of as—if I split it up like this—there's challenges in each of these areas. One, exegetically, there's some things that aren't clear. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we're going to come to some of those. Um, two, and this is this is this category it's how does what is being said here in Hebrews 6 mesh with the rest of the Bible? Or to put it another way, how do we understand Hebrews 6 and what's being said here in light of the rest of the Bible? That is, it's a theological wrestle. Mm. Um, um, we know the Bible's the God's authority to us, and the exercise of theology is trying to understand how everything fits together mm. so this question is very much in that realm. The third challenge by the way is that of pastoral mm. and all of those become significant challenges mm. when we come to this passage in Hebrews 6. That is why we have decided to do a stretch night on this. Mm. I think March 21, March 22, That's it'll right, be yeah. Tuesday, Wednesday night and Wednesday morning as well. Peter's going to be doing that and um, it's really to give people the opportunity to dig deeper into all of those issues. So let me just make a brief comment about my understanding of yeah. this particular question. Um, there's so much to talk about, in March 21, But my understanding here is um, you take... Let, let me just read Hebrews 6, verse 4 to 6. It is impossible for those who have been once enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Um, they are the key The key verses. This is the only time in the New Testament it uses the term fallen away. And the way I take that, bearing in mind what I said earlier, the point of this passage is where it lands in chapter 6, verses 11 and 12, that is, persevere. Mm. Um, don't be this lazy person. Don't be the person who starts off with being sluggish or lazy and then this spiral kicks in mm. where you, you get to a point and what I said on Sunday was you don't want to come back to Jesus. Mm. And I just, I have two different people in my head right now who, over the last sort of 30 years have been, I think, in this category. Mm. That is, they look like they were Christian. Mm. And for a period of time, they exhibited all of the signs of the Christian life that you would expect. But things then came into their lives; they became lazy, they became mm, sluggish. Mm. They took their right eye, their eyes drifted off Jesus, to mix some of the Hebrews metaphors, and all of that contributed to a downward spiral. And now, today, it would be the case that. Um, they just have no interest in the gospel. Mm. They have no interest in Jesus. The language that here it talks about is fallen away. And so you put it together theologically. I, so, my understanding, and there's different understandings about this, but my view currently, because I'm still learning myself, would be um, in actual reality, even though the, these people exhibited all of the signs of being Christian, mm. they weren't Christian. Mm. Um that is not something that becomes clear until the fullness of time. Maybe in the future, even now, they'll come back to know Christ. Mm, mm. So even there's a tentative nature now. Yeah, it won't be till Christ returns that we know for sure. Yeah. Um, but the point of this passage is not it's not really to pique our theological interest. It does that. Don't get me wrong, It's a great thing to wrestle with. The point of this passage is to say it's it's to mix the encouragements of Hebrews. With the warnings of people, mm. so to each one of us and to people at our church across St. Paul's, it is you know, are you this person who has become sluggish? Mm. And sluggish and understanding, I think, is the right nuance that, um, that, that comes out. You know, we should be teachers, I think. I find that quite fascinating. The ordinary expectation of a Christian is they get to a point where they can teach others. I use the illustration of. You know, teaching one of my kids to drive a car—just, yeah.
0: yep—that's
1: yeah. what should happen. Um, you'll look forward to this too, Lachlan. Oh, I've already taught <laughs> someone to drive a car. I
0: remembered that with, yep, yeah, mixed yeah. mixed memories. <laughs> mixed memories.
1: So, and and that process involves encouragements and involves warnings, mm. and that's what we see here in Hebrews mm. six. Yeah. So, I think it it, you know, I would actually say it gels in quite well with the doctrine of eternal security, the perseverance of the saints. Through that method of promises and warnings, mm. um, provided you understand what it talks about here is falling away as someone who was not a real Christian in the first place, mm. and understand that that's something that won't necessarily be known until the end. Mm. Um, it, that in, that is not designed in any way to take away, you know, assurance. The whole point here is look to Jesus. Keep going. Yeah. There's yeah. great signs. Yeah. There's great shoots. We come to that in verse nine, verse ten. Yeah. There's great shoots, and so now in the midst of laziness for some developing in the body, don't be lazy, but keep going. Yeah,
0: amen. I think the Piper quotes that you shared were helpful on that end as well, just his understanding as he has wrestled with putting these different doctrines together. But that's a great taster for what the stretch nights will be. Make sure those are in your calendar. Uh, that'll be a great time to come along and think more deeply about this. I think it is an issue that is not just kind of theoretical for most of us. As you mentioned, Raj, you know people who are in a category where they were once you know, great members of a church and serving and all the outward signs, and now they are far from Christ yeah. and don't want anything to do with him. Yeah. Uh, that is a great grief, and so we want to process and understand that. We had a question that came in. Sorry, yeah, would it be helpful
1: just on. for me to read the Bible quote, which you Go just for mentioned. it, go for it. Not everyone would have heard. Yeah heard that um, and those who have might not remember that Um, and so I just I just said that I really resonated with John Piper's words on this and he said God graciously warns us that we could drift away and be lost and he does this precisely in order to strengthen our assurance that we will not drift away and be lost something inside you may be saying my assurance and hope are not particularly helped by being told that I might drift away from God and be lost and the answer is very simple God's way to keep us from falling is by enticing us with promises and sobering us with warnings. Yeah.
0: yeah it's a helpful summary of how these warning passages and the encouragement passages work together. Uh, but someone has asked about, say, this experience of a Christian friend, perhaps family member, who is now not walking with Christ. Some would read Hebrews 6 and say, well, they can't be brought back to repentance and so if you're trying, if you're still praying for them, if you're trying to see them come back to Christ, then actually that's a sinful, disobedient thing to do. You're not reading Hebrews 6. How How'd you respond to yeah. that view of Hebrews 6? I think this came
1: up in a live Q&A. And I just said to them, it was interesting actually when this question came up, I could really just feel in the room so many could resonate with it. Mm. Um, my encouragement to everyone is don't give up mm. because you don't know what God has in mind. And that is entirely what Hebrews 6 is saying here. Uh, in the, so for some people who you, you, you look like they've fallen away, you, you don't know if that's what God has in mind. But you also don't know if someone's going to come back. Mm. And I think God um, works through human agents. And I don't think we understand enough we are God's agents in this world. And God works through us to bring whoever it is to repentance, to know Jesus. Um, maybe, indeed, it was the case that... Earlier on, when it looked like they knew Jesus, they didn't. Mm. And now, what was the inward reality has become clearer. But maybe in the future, they will. Mm. So it can be hard to get your head around just, you know, without limitation. And we think of his, you know, his time. Um, but I just think don't give up. The number of people around the place um, who, who have just shared stories over the years of people coming to know Christ late in life, hidden. Mm even in hospital when you're about to leave this world. Um, I think keep praying. Mm. Yeah, don't give up.
0: Yeah, that's helpful. All right, so let's turn from the warning passage a little bit. It's That section is bracketed by this encouragement to move to maturity. You've already hinted at that with, you know, these people ought to be teachers. Uh, someone's asked, I think, a helpful question. I'll read it in a little bit more fullness of the way it's come in. Uh, This person's getting a sense as they're coming along on Sundays under Hebrews that the way to not drift, the way to mature in Christ is to keep coming to church regularly, to keep coming to growth group regularly. And they're wondering, can we be in danger of drifting even if we have 100% church attendance, if we have 100% growth group attendance, if we're actively serving, even when we're doing all of these outward things, can we still have a heart that is very far or growing far from Christ? What does the inward life of the yep. Christian look like in yep. maturity?
1: Uh, great question. And, of course, the answer is, you know, you look like you have the externals. Could it be the case that um, your heart is far or growing very far from Christ? Absolutely.
0: Mm.
1: Absolutely. Um, and, you know, there is a danger. In fact, this was the problem of the Pharisees, wasn't it? They, mm. they looked like they had the externals, but their heart was far from Christ. Yeah, they whitewashed. Yeah. So... That is indeed a danger. Um, In fact, just yesterday, I was talking to a psychologist about this very Christian. And she said something incredibly helpful, which was, you know, in her practice, one of the things she encourages people to do when, when they feel they're having a dry patch or whatever it might be, they say, think that, like, what was it when you first became a Christian? What was it? Um, that had an impact on your heart as you understood the gospel. Mm. And she just shared for her, it was sometimes songs, sometimes reading different books of particular genres. Um, none of that was necessarily without reading the Bible and meeting with God's people. But it was just trying to tap into the heart mm. and and... You know, often life can get busy we can forget the very things that once had such an impact on us mm. so so you know music might be one of those things something else might be one of those things going for a personal retreat might be one of those things so I think I'm very thankful for this question because we need to work at both the externals but also the internal heart. Mm. Um, it can be just as much of a problem working on the heart and thinking the externals don't matter mm. you know James 2 is a place I just keep coming back to the two things are intrinsically related Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the spirit if your heart is being transformed it will express itself yes yep. in certain ways yep. um, and also I think it, it works both ways so so you know doing things someone, messaged me something after a previous sermon actually about the nature of habits Mm. and just talked about the importance of habits and the impact habits have on the heart Um, so so there is an example of putting in place solid Christian practices and it's shaping your heart Mm. but we've also talked about thinking about the things that have an impact on your heart they differ from person to person um, and then the other thing the Bible talks about is, um, it, it's in Colossians, it just talks about be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm. Um, and I really think that does come back to um, understanding God through His Word. That does come back to, I think, activities like engaging in sermons that are teaching the Word of God or growth groups. Mm. And things like that. So there, there, anyway, there's a threefold... You're our maturity, Pastor Lachlan. What do you yeah. think?
0: <laughs> oh, it's, look, it's a really helpful question. It's a really helpful thing to discuss. Uh, I think there's so much that could be said about the things that we're calling externals, church attendance, growth group attendance. Uh, there's lots of ways that those are good things in and of themselves. There's also ways that they are means to this end of inward transformation if I could describe just what we're after in that inward heart, uh, it's, I was just reflecting on Isaiah 26.8 the other day. It's a verse that I think of when I think of Christian maturity. Uh, Lord, we wait for you, your name, and renown are the desire of our hearts. Uh, our inward desires are for God's glory, and that shapes the way we think, the way we act, the way we speak. Uh, there's something that happens inwardly, that we move towards in maturity as we join with John the Baptist in saying, I must become lesser and he must become greater. Uh, But we could describe inward maturity in all sorts of different ways as well. You've mentioned Romans and being transformed by the renewal of our minds. You've got the language in Ephesians of the things that we put off in our heart, in our behavior, the things that we put on. Fruit of the Spirit in Galatians, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. All sorts of stuff there to be growing in and moving towards uh, alongside just this captivation with Christ, which is part of our vision as a church, right? That people would be so captivated by Jesus that that then shapes their behavior. So we hope that coming to church on a Sunday and going to your growth group helps you to be captivated by Jesus. That it helps your heart to love him, to delight in him, to desire him. That I think is something of the inward life of maturity, uh, which will look like understanding Jesus more and more so that you love him more and more. Um, you're smiling at me, Raj. you want to add to that? You want no, to-
1: that's great. We could talk about this forever. Um, I think what you've said is very helpful, Lachlan, Lachlan. Um,
0: Let's, uh, I've, I've just brought up that question of fruit or the topic of fruit. Someone's asked, and it comes up in Hebrews 6, actually, that the well-watered land produces a crop, produces fruit. So in this topic of maturity, in this theme of maturity, uh, in what way do you think our church members are lacking in fruit? How do you think we should excel in bearing fruit?
1: Yeah. Um, I actually think, lot. Lachlan, part of it, my smile, this is a question you've just been reflecting on, mm. you know, different sort of fruit that the bible talks about um this is a great question you know in what ways do you think our church members are lacking in terms of fruit and i think it's quite challenging to answer that question in something like the extras that has such a diverse Mm. kind of audience it's so hard to to reflect on it you know our church last sunday probably had a thousand people in church across adults plus Mm. kids yeah um a couple of hundred kids and youth and that, that's fantastic, but each person is in a different place. Yeah. Um, and so I just, I find it hard and challenging, mm. you know, in that in that regard. I do think there's something in what Peter introduced a few weeks ago. Um, he just talked about the extremes that people can fall into. So one danger was moralism, which in a sense is connected to what we've just been saying. It's having the externals without the heart. That's the Pharisees' problem. Mm. Um, on the other hand, and I suspect for more of us, just as a generalisation, uh, the other the other extreme was comfortable and acceptable hedonism, mm. and we live in a world of such comfort. Carlingford and surrounds is one of the wealthiest, wealthiest parts of one of the wealthiest cities and one of the wealthiest countries mm. in the world. Mm. You know, you can, there's a global rich website people can go on and just see how good we have it. Mm. So I think that is, I think that's a huge challenge. Um, another area and look I say this every time I have an opportunity here's an opportunity I think I would love to see us being more on the front foot with evangelism mm. um, and I think so that's an indirect thing from this text and yeah. what Hebrews is talking about um, but having the heart that has your eyes fixed on Jesus I just think that means we want others to experience what we have
0: Yeah.
1: particularly those we know particularly those we love um I I think we can often feel a siege mentality which for the last six or seven years mm. you know, we it's now accepted we live in a post Christian culture. But you know, our our thoughts and our hearts in that regard I think are influenced by a very small section of our community. Mm. And we read in the papers and so on that you know, all kinds in recent weeks, there's you know, discussion about Christian schools and yeah, and but 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 all of that is written by a small group of people. Every time research is released, and I, I saw some again just the other day. This one was only done in the last sort of three three months or so. Every time I see that research, it overwhelmingly just talks about how open people are to hearing the gospel. Mm. Um, and one of my convictions is we are. God has led us in this world to be, there's other things, but, but agents in this world to, mm-hmm. to, to share the gospel with people. Um, and so I think of that as an area of fruit. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. We've got some exciting things coming up as a church to give us space to we do. You know, be inviting people yeah. along. Yeah,
1: well, look, let me take your cue there and just, just say Christianity Explored is really, you know, first round this, it's starting. There's a few non-Christians coming, so mm. please pray for them. Yeah.
0: But there's still time to invite. There's still well.
1: time to invite. It's not too late. Um, um, but chatting with Chan is an event mm. we have coming up, 13 March, mm. and we've asked Sam Chan to come along. He's very good at helping break down um, what it, the kinds of things that are helpful to reach people with the gospel in this day and age. Mm. He's one of the world's leading thinkers in this regard, mm. um, and and so it's such a privilege. know. And a whole bunch of people have registered already, but it's still a few weeks away. And as someone said to me in an email just last night, you know, we would love the church auditorium to be packed that night of people who want to do better. Yeah. Yeah. We're That's all correct. at different points on the spectrum. But anyway, I, I could go on. Um, but here is just an area. It's not directly in this text, but I think indirectly mm. It, mm. it, you know, it, it comes out. Yeah. It's
0: good. Look I, I think we are starting to get to this next question I think this is a good question as well um, so we've, we've mentioned that the re- repetition in this passage is the language of sluggishness laziness uh, they're dull of hearing or sluggish of hearing at 5 verse 11 uh, and towards the end 6 verse oh where did it disappeared from me 6 12. verse 12 yep. so that you won't become sluggish or lazy uh, how do you stop yourself from getting sluggish when things start to feel boring and you become unmotivated now I say this flows on from a little bit of what we've been talking about there because Peter brought up the pleasure-pain principle. And I guess I hear some of that in this question where, uh, you know, our desire for pleasure means that when things are boring, we are less motivated to do them than perhaps a different generational culture that might be more driven by duty than by pleasure. Uh, so I think we're already in the realm of discussing this, but yeah. what? how would you help someone? How do you stop yourself from getting sluggish?
1: Yeah, um... So look, I, the two things that come to my mind and you might like to contribute to this too, Lachlan, but so one is just that pleasure pain paradigm, which is nowadays the predominant way of thought. It comes out of a postmodern philosophy, is you you lean into what you think is going to give you pleasure, and you lean away from what you think is going to give you pain. Um, that has now usurped. The paradigm, you just called it duty, but it really, the way I think of, of it is, it is duty, but it's right-wrong. Mm. You do what's right, you mm. avoid what's wrong, mm. so you have a moral framework that you're coming back to. Mm. Um, and I just think I want to encourage people to, let's reclaim the right-wrong. This is mm. God's revealed word to us. He, he gives us the way he's designed the world. Um, the pleasure-pain paradigm, I just, Romans 1 comes to mind, you know, we, we Pursue things that are driven by our sinful nature. There's, there's the problem. Mm. Um, so so I think that's one category. Keep soaking yourself in God's word and train your heart and mind to love what is right and like God to hate what is wrong. Mm. Um, so that's trying to work with that paradigm and re-educate yourself. The other thing I would say is just to repeat what I said before. What is it that is the words of a psychologist what is it that when you first became a Christian brought you such joy? Or what, what were the mechanisms that, mm. um, you know, I, I, I love that she talked about music.
0: Mm.
1: And she went on and she actually said, you know, it's not uncommon for her to walk around the house singing. Yeah. And um, I, I think that's great. Uh, and there'll be a whole range of other things that different things in this area work for different people. But that principle, think back to what it was when, you're, when, things, when you weren't feeling bored, when you weren't feeling unmotivated, so when you were really powering on in the gospel. How can you bring those things back into your life? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: yeah, That's helpful encouragement. I wonder if as well tied into this question is our... Uh, our I've lost the word. We're so familiar with things being instant and quick. And so we've lost a bit of a, um, we've lost our patience. So we might want things to happen quickly, things to always be a fresh experience. Perhaps we need to come back and learn some patience to just go through moments of life that, yeah, might feel a bit boring uh, and that can be okay. I'm sure Joseph wasn't having the best time of his life for 13 years in prison waiting for God to install into leadership. You know, the, I'm sure there would be plenty of boredom there. Um, Paul, when he's on a boat, you know, from yeah. one place to another. So I think just embracing a bit more of the flows and rhythms of life yeah, uh, rather than buying into the everything has to be exciting all the time. It's our modern mentality.
1: Oh, there's so much in what you just said, Lachlan. Um, um, yeah I was listening to a podcast earlier and kind of again the other day just we don't rest in the same way that we used to mm. and you know there's a sense to which we can't rest mm. but that catches up with us yeah and you know professionals link that not resting with the huge rates of mental health issues mm. we have
0: mm.
1: um Anyway, so there's a whole thing there, healthy patterns of life, healthy patterns of work, of rest, and life balance, and i including life balance, um, gospel balance. Mm. um, They they can all help. Mm.
0: Look, we've got a few more questions to get through. Let's see if we can quickly touch on the elementary teachings and then hit on some application questions that will be helpful for us. Uh, Hebrews 6 verse 1, so we're talking about maturity, the author of Hebrews contrasts that with where the Hebrews are at, that they still need the elementary things again, the milk. Um, Shouldn't we be clinging to the elementary truth about Christ? Like, Why why is he saying move on from them, move beyond them? Don't we always come back to the gospel as Christians?
1: Yeah, thank you. I I think the point is you build on top of, you know, a house is being built. You start with the foundations. Um, and it is always the aim to build on top of them. Mm. You don't move on to it and go and start the next house without the foundations. So I think that's the point. Um, or the other illustration that really is in this text that talks about me- needing moving from milk to solid food, yet they weren't ready for solid food. Mm. It's the image of a toddler. Mm. Um, when I preached wherever I was, I was talking about the image of a you know toilet training. You 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 progress, and that that's the idea. It's not mm. talking about. It's not talk about leaving behind and moving away from. It's Mm. talking about building on top of.
0: Yeah, that's helpful. Within that list, he mentions the laying on of hands. To many of us, that doesn't sound elementary. We don't know what that (coughs) means. What's going on with laying on of hands? Well,
1: I think here is one of the exegetical questions. And um, I talked before about there's exegetical challenges in this text. There's also theological ones and there's also pastoral ones. Um, Perfect storm. Um, which is why Peter Baker's doing the stretch tonight, <laughs> not me. <laughs> no, it's not true. He'll do a great job. Um, look, I really commentators can't, it, it, it's unclear what the laying on of hands was about. Um, it seems to be about connected with, like, this whole list is about, seems to be about Jewish practices and Jewish rights as they were grappling with what it was to be a Christian. Um, but when it comes to the laying on of hands, that could be just applied in a bunch of different ways. Mm. And and so it's not necessarily clear, um, you know, what it was. So I, I know you had some thoughts on this, And Why don't you share those with us? Oh,
0: look, I don't have any firmness on it, but where I've landed at the moment is, yeah, seeing that list, particularly in verse 2, primarily as things that Jewish converts, seems to be the context of Hebrews, needed particular focus on as they move from Judaism into Christianity. And so the ritual washings in verse 2, I take that not to be Christian baptism, but uh, in the plural there to match up with the way it's used later on in Hebrews. Talk about ritual washings alongside sacrifices that are no use in cleansing the heart. Uh, The resurrection of the dead. You know, We know from the Gospels that the Jews were in conflict over that. Some didn't believe in any resurrection. Others did. So that would be something that needs some clarity. Similarly, eternal judgment, conflict amongst Jewish schools of thought on what eternal judgment, what judgment of God would be like. So I take that as the kind of broad context of verse 2, within which the laying on of hands could be about the installation of priests, part of the practice of kind of bringing leaders up and there might need to be some kind of clarity there. Uh, Potentially something to do with the sacrificial system laying on of hands onto sacrificial animals. That one I'm less sold on. I think it's probably about the installation of leadership and kind of switching from a Jewish priestly system of leadership to a different Christian system that he'll talk about in Hebrews 13. Once we've dealt with the priests, how do we relate to leaders there? Yeah. So that's where I land at the moment, but I, I wouldn't hold to it. Uh, someone could convince me otherwise. That's yeah. just the best explanation of, up with for now
1: look thanks Lachlan there, there's so many possibilities here everyone um I'll just you know give you the dot points from a comment you have in front of me on this and it just talks about you know hands were laid on in the old testament for blessing um on sacrificial animals who atone for sin or uh, to commission someone for service uh to on on one about to suffer the death penalty then in the new testament laying on of hands was for blessing for healing commission people for service, receiving the Holy Spirit, uh, receiving spiritual gifts. Mm. So so there's lots of discussion mm. about what it is, and I think even in this, in these few minutes, hopefully people are getting an idea it's complicated. Ask people but maybe not complicated
0: mate. for the Hebrews, because for them not. this was elementary, so yep, you know, I take right. it they knew what it was referring to. Yep. Uh, and That's it, worth saying, yeah. We're in a different context where our kind of basics will include things that they would have had no idea about uh, as we convert to Christ from other contexts. So that's helpful. All right, Rice, we've got two application questions to go. I think both are really good to answer. The first one is, is it a bad thing if we're consciously scared or worried about falling away? Is that part of our heart being hardened?
1: No, I, I think it's a good thing. You know, in the same way I'm driving a car and I i'm you know worried and quite aware that i don't want to speed because i might get a ticket mm. or a camera or like whatever that's yeah you know, that's that's not a bad thing it's not the only thing mm. you know there's also a positive thing to be safe as i'm driving on the roads and you know loving other people on the roads and so on but they do both work together that was the piper quote mm. yeah there's 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 warnings but there's also encouragements both work together. Mm. Um, so I don't think that's part of the heart being hardened at all. Mm. I think it's part of the way God works. It's part of the reason for the strong warning passages we see here in Hebrews and other parts of the Bible. Mm. Mm. Yeah,
0: I guess if the heart was hard, you probably wouldn't be scared or worried, would you? Yep. You'd be cruising on in life thinking everything's all good. Uh, so the fact that you're feeling this is a good sign. Yeah. Uh, and I, if anyone's listening and this is where you're at and you are particularly worried, you know, it's worth reaching out and chatting to someone just to see what encouragement they have for you. They might see things about your growth in Christ that you're not seeing about yourself. Or they might affirm with you that, yeah, actually, maybe there are some things to be worried about here. Glad that you're keen to grow and change. So, you know, if you're in this position of feeling scared, worried, do reach out to someone and see how they can speak into those feelings with encouragement. Yep. Yeah. Last question for you, Raj. What's the best way for a Christian to respond to a friend or colleague who tells you that they have deconverted, they've moved away from Christ, they've you know, had a moment of enlightenment or whatever it is, they've told you their story that they used to be a Christian, now they're not. What's a helpful way for us to respond in those contexts?
1: What an excellent question. Look, my first response would just be an internal one, which is to give thanks to God that this person is sharing this with me. Mm. And how special is it that this person feels they can say that? Um, More often than not, it's a way of opening up a conversation. Mm. And so my advice would be ask questions and listen. Um, In your head, you, you might be thinking, what happened that led to this? Mm. Was it something else happening in their life? Was there some disappointment? Had they lost someone? Mm. Some crisis? And very often that is the case. Mm. It's a catalyst. Mm. And people, you know, Amos tells us God often sends disasters as a means of bringing people back to Him. Mm. Sometimes people don't take it that way and head the other way. Um, there's a disappointment with God, there's a so I think allowing someone to express whatever it is and just gently probing mm. I wouldn't try to, you know, give them the right theological answer. Um, yeah, but and pray for them. Mm. And yeah. even ask for their permission to pray with them mm. and help them know that you care so that dialogue don't, don't think of it as a one conversation um, reconversion mm. of a deconversion. Mm. Mm. Yeah, think of it as there, there's my thoughts. What about you, Dr.? Well,
0: it's a helpful encouragement, I think, Raj, to listen. I think that's what we do in any conversation, really, but uh, one of this seriousness for sure. Listen well, check that you're understanding what they're saying. Similar to a question earlier. There's a broad range of things that could be going on for people. And so it's hard to generalize about next steps. I remember someone who used to regularly talk to people from our church because they had deconverted and they were trying to bring people with them into their enlightenment. So they'd set up a website talking through their journey. uh, And so, you know, there's a different way to respond to that person than to the person who has been badly hurt by the church and they've never told anyone about it they've just snuck away quietly and now they're opening up for the first time there's a range of other experiences in there as well so how you respond will be shaped by what has happened for this person what has been their journey uh has it been that they never had their (laughs) questions answered there's one that i've heard a bit people had questions in the church context they felt like they couldn't ask them And they tried to ask they got shut down and told that they weren't allowed to ask questions Uh, that's probably the most common I've been involved in those kind of conversations at which point you know over time you want to give that person the space to ask the questions that they never felt they got answered Uh, and if you don't feel like you can answer them then go and do some reading some research ask us as a church team how we would help answer those things but it all starts with listening and you know, Being sensitive to find out what actually has their journey been that's gotten them to this point. Uh, and be patient in your prayers to hope that God will bring them back. He is a good God. He's a gracious God. Yeah. Uh, he, he will welcome lost children home. Yeah.
1: Great advice, Malcolm.
0: Roger, it's just been a good chat. I've enjoyed this passage. I'm enjoying Hebrew so much. It's a wonderful letter. I love the cohesiveness of it as a whole. Just a good singular argument that runs through. Uh, Where are we off to next week?
1: Well, uh, next week in Sunday church, we are in Hebrews 8. Uh, We are allowing people to get into Hebrews 7, I think, in growth groups. And then we're going to keep going in church in Hebrews 8. So it really is picking up on the theme of of Jesus being the great high priest, Mm. um, the one who is now seated at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Um, and I love Hebrews 8 because it starts there And it really it catapults into thinking about Jesus as a great high priest In the context of the new covenant mm. So it introduces a whole, even more majestic category mm. like, like that, of what God has always been yeah.
0: Great. Much to look forward to Uh, Church, thanks for your questions. We do love that you are thinking deeply, wanting to grow, wanting to understand. Uh, We love being a church where questions are welcome and allowed. So we hope you keep asking them, and we'll keep being here on the extras to answer what we can. Have a great week, and we'll see you on Sunday. See you,
1: everyone.